2: My only object in being here is to try and get at the
0: truth. Where shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your... I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. you am gonna make him an awful kid. All real, oh, Love married. is... It is love. Too weak a word. For... Back. I know. you. Are I not you. No, I love
3: you. I love you. I did as he saw. Don't laugh! If
1: there's
3: something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV. Respect it and validate it.
0: Remember that you told me. It's
3: time, Robbie. Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. And
0: the Oscar goes to The Shape of Water.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 84 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me today, I have Miss Diane Zeze. Hello. Good morning. Hi, Deanne. Hi. Yeah, happy Easter, right? It is Easter, I guess. That's real. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it's also April Fool's Day, so um, I guess I should say something not true. Oh, um, my gosh.
1: We should have started out with a whole bit.
3: I'm I'm, ha- I'm hanging the boots up. Never again. Last episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter now that we know it's an April I, Fool's yeah, Day. Yeah, I, so I don't right. know
1: that it worked. Maybe Maybe later. I'm going to try and find a way to slip one in.
3: Okay, maybe next week I'll <laughs> yeah. try and bring something back. Um, so we have a couple fan questions that we're going to answer today. We're going to talk about the trailer for uh, First Reformed, which is actually kind of ironic considering that today is uh, one of the holiest days of the year for the Catholic uh, and you know Christian traditions out there. And we're also going to be talking about the polls That we're going on uh, this week, we have a couple to announce Uh, the first one I actually want to start us off with um, is our next historical review, which uh, we're now calling throwback reviews, Um, they will be something that will be done exclusively for Patreon members on our Patreon page. So we're doing these every single month and we're um, usually what we're doing is we're picking films that are coming out in the month. And we're asking people first. You know what? Wh- which movie do you want us to review that's somehow tied to a new release that's coming out? So, for the month of April, we had a couple of different options originally. Uh, we had You Were Never Really Here, we had Avengers Infinity War, uh, a few others like, um, like Tully, uh, and Avengers Infinity War won that poll. So then the follow-up poll is to pick down a couple of movies that are tied to Avengers Infinity War, and that's voted on by our listeners and readers. And as a result, we get then our winner. So with all that said, the options uh, were a bunch of Marvel films which we have not reviewed on the podcast before. And so
1: the uh, winner. <laughs> why am I nervous?
3: For our next <laughs> podcast review for our patreon subscribers will be the first avengers movie
1: oh okay fantastic i was so afraid it was going to be age of ultron and that would have killed me but the first avengers is great
3: age of ultron did get quite a bit of votes not gonna lie (laughs) um but the the first avengers film got literally the most votes of all it it literally received 31 percent of the entire vote of the poll Um, The next film that was behind it with uh, 14% of the poll was Captain America, The Winter Soldier, which um, is actually my favorite Marvel superhero film, I think.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. I just rewatched it after the trailer came out and I was feeling all pumped about the new one. I watched that and it, oh, wow, it was really better this time. It gets better every time, I think.
3: So, you know, what was really interesting was I was looking at the month of May, right, to ask our our readers and listeners what they want the next throwback review to be tied to. And mm-hmm. the month of May looks so incredibly light in terms of movies that are coming out. I mean, there's not that much in May that's coming that's really of interest to me. There's a lot, there's a lot in April. A yeah. A lot in April. Right. But... May, it's, like, Solo, Deadpool 2, and that's kind of it.
1: Yeah, and that usually is such a big month for, like, back to the summer movies and, you know, getting back to the theater and everything. So that's kind of crazy.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sure there's somebody that's listening right now that's like,
1: oh, this is playing, you idiot! Shit <laughs> it.
3: You know? Yeah. But... You know that that poll will go up uh, sometime this week. Uh, we'll have that running for the first two weeks in a month, and then the last two weeks in a month will be uh, to tell us which will be our next podcast review. So I want to thank everyone that subscribes to us on Patreon and uh, gives us support. Um, we recently announced uh, a couple of other new things that we're doing for our subscribers. First of all, one of them is called Next Best Adaptation, which is where we're going to have like a little mini book club, so to speak. We're going to have the readers and listeners vote on source material, which will be um, the books or shorts, TV miniseries in one case, uh, previous movies like The Incredibles for The Incredibles 2, for example, for contenders that will possibly possibly be in the Oscar race for um, best adapted screenplay this year. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually take some time and we're going to read... Um that source material, and then we're gonna have a podcast where we're gonna have everybody discuss it and talk about how they think it'll translate to the adaptation when that comes out later on in the year. So
1: I love this. It's gonna be so much fun.
3: yeah, I, I'm personally not going to be a part of it because um, I don't enjoy reading. <laughs> I also don't enjoy um the impact that it has on my cinematic experience to tell you the truth. I don't I don't like making book to movie comparisons.
1: yeah, it can take away from it yeah.
3: Yeah, I usually find it negatively impacts um, my views on the film, generally speaking.
1: Yeah, um, well, I'm excited about this. It's good for me. I I went through this process of trying to figure out... If listening to it counts as reading, and I know that there's a lot of <laughs> listeners out there who would say no. So I, I decided I'm not doing audio. And then I was like, am I going to be like a Kindle girl? No, I, I ordered books. I went through the list and I picked like five that I kind of am hoping are going to be the ones people will pick just based on what I know people are excited about. And I actually ordered the physical book from Amazon. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Oh, wow. I, I plan nice. to take notes and highlight things.
3: <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's going to be really exciting. Yeah. Um, the choices are up on the poll page right now for what everyone can vote for for next best adaptation. The top three books are the three books that we're going to read and we're going to review on the podcast. If for some reason there are three books and say, one short or um, like for Widows, you know, the TV miniseries, we're still going to do three books plus whatever um, that other uh, source material is. And as a result of which, uh, then we'll have more podcasts to give everybody. So this is something new that we're trying and we're really, really excited about. And then something a little less original, but still a lot of fun and something that um, I'm very much looking forward to is we have another podcast exclusive for our Patreon members, which we will be dishing out called Last Best Picture. And what this is, is every single film that has ever been nominated or won Best Picture, we are throwing those into a randomizer. We are going to pick 10, and then everyone's going to vote. And whatever wins that, we're going to basically go back and check out that movie, and we're going to do a review on it on the podcast. So this will be a great chance for us to... Go back in time, hopefully, and revisit some classics and hopefully in some instances some movies that we've never seen before.
1: I love this as well. I definitely have some holes myself, so I'm hoping that um, what we end up doing is going to force me to see some things I haven't seen. Not force. Not force. That's the wrong word. Just inspire me.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, what we're going to do is this. We're going to talk about the winners of uh, last week's weekly poll and then discuss this week's uh, weekly poll as well. So last week was which film that uses performance capture is your favorite performance capture is something that featured very heavily in steven spielberg's ready player one this week which um i saw and i admit i'm in the minority a bit i didn't have the greatest reaction to it deanne have you had the chance to see it yet
1: i have not i have my tickets to see it in about one hour and 20 minutes from now so i'll get back to you yeah
3: okay very nice
1: but my husband did see it, and he was a big fan. Loved it.
3: Oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear. So I'm um, very anxious to see what you think of it then in the end as well. We had a lot of choices to choose from, uh, probably too much. And, I mean, we're, we're talking stuff from Avatar to District 9, going up to, like, pretty much every Marvel film you could possibly imagine, A Monster Calls, the Planet of the Apes movies. There was a lot of choices. There were only two that stood above the rest, though. And those two were War for the Planet of the Apes Ah, and The Lord of the Rings. Deanne, one of these has 29% of the poll and the other one has 25% of the poll. So between those two, which one do you think the readers chose as the best film to feature performance capture?
1: I think Lord of the Rings uh, took it, even though my personal pick would be Apes.
3: And you were correct, Ian. The winner was yes! the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Just barely beating out War for the Planet of They're the They're kissing Ace.
1: up to you or something. I don't know.
3: Maybe. Maybe.
1: <laughs> maybe.
3: Everyone knows how much I loved uh, the Middle Earth uh, saga, franchise, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, that would make perfect sense in a sort They're of way. They're both amazing.
1: <laughs> but I, I there is something about Caesar as a character that is just... I mean, obviously, Gollum is similar, but I don't know. There's something about Caesar as a rounded character and how he is captured in those films that is breathtaking. So, that was... That's why I would go with that.
3: Definitely. And now for this week, uh, A Quiet Place is opening up in theaters. And we're asking everybody for this week's weekly poll, which horror film do they think uses sound the most effectively? And then this has a very broad scope to it. I mean, the use of sound in horror is something that can range from being uh, very unique, could be something that's integral to the, the story itself. In the case of something like Don't Breathe, which came out a few years ago. Um, And then there's just, you know, loud, bombastic sound like in uh, It most recently. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That movie freaked the hell out of me just because of how loud it was mostly. So there's a lot of choices to choose from. I mean, we're talking stuff from Alien to The Shining, The Thing, The Conjuring, The Descent, Mother even, Mm -hmm. Poltergeist. I mean, we pretty much have a lot of choices here. Uh, Deanne, when you think of horror movies and the use of sound, what immediately jumps out to you?
1: Well, definitely some of the ones that you said. I um, actually, I'm a big fan... Well, I'm a big fan of horror in general, as people know. Um, But I had a really large hole in my... um, So speaking of throwbacks, I watched uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre last night. Because I felt like I wanted... Because I saw you send out this poll, and it kind of got me thinking about this particular subject. And I knew that I needed to see that. I had seen all of the subsequent Texas Chainsaw Massacres, but not the original, which I know is insane. But look, life happens, and sometimes you just don't see certain things. So I... um, Wow. Holy moly. It, it was so much fun to watch that movie. And speaking of sound specifically, not only is there just kind of this crazy uh, soundtrack o- overlaying everything, but there's a lot of use of kind of creepy things like um, chickens in the background and uh, I don't know. And anyway, if you haven't visited that film in a while, I would say um, that now I am thinking that it is got to be at the top of this poll because if anyone has seen that, I'm thinking that that's where they're going to go.
3: You know, it's really interesting. As I'm looking at uh, a lot of the choices that are here, it's amazing how much the Academy does not nominate horror films in sound. Right. Um, you have stuff like The Exorcist, Poltergeist, Jaws. Um, but in recent years especially, I mean... It's it, it's kind of upsetting that there are some films that have some really great sound work um, in the horror genre. Get out last year. Yeah. Um, I'm I for one remember banging the drum pretty hard for Mother to get at least a sound mixing nomination. Right. But you know, it, it, it kind of it's kind of distressing when you know those films are not necessarily considered, especially for their sound. Uh, but the sound work is quite extraordinary in a lot of them and they deserve to be highlighted. And it looks like a quiet place is certainly going to do that. Um, what are your thoughts um, as you anticipate A Quiet Place this week? How how are you feeling about that movie, and uh, oh, are you excited? I,
1: I am so excited. I, I was really, really inspired by Millicent Simmons in Wonderstruck last year. I thought she was amazing, and it sounds like she's really a standout in this. And then, um, I yeah, I, I can't wait. I think the entire premise looks intriguing. This is my genre. Uh, so bring it on, please. All right. Awesome.
3: Once again, thank you for everyone that votes always on our polls over here. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. I want to give a shout out to all of our subscribers on there. We have Ian Bulakalak, Matthew St. Clair, Joshua Connolly, Whit Festmeyer, Feel and Film, that's Aaron for, you, for all of you, Robert Hernandez, Kevin Jacobson, Daniel Jakes, Stephen Keller, Kevin Clawwitter, JC Lynn, Ryan McQuaid, Andrew Purr, and Jeffrey Rex Bertelson. Thank you guys all so much for supporting us over here at Next Best Picture. We really, really appreciate it. What I want to do now... Is I want to also acknowledge once again that uh, today is uh, the Easter holiday. And one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Deanne, that you and I have never had a chance to speak about before on the show. But something that uh, myself, Michael Schwartz, and uh, Will, I believe, talked about uh, this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Faith-based filmed, uh, films. Oh, okay. It, you know, it's... Something that is its own niche genre. Um, Sometimes I feel that they can go a little too overboard and get a little heavy-handed, stuff like the Left Behind series or... um Jesus, like, God's not dead. Ugh. But then you have other films that really balance um, the moral ambiguity of uh, of faith, especially, like, you know, somebody like uh, like Martin Scorsese, who has been obsessed with this subject and has played around with it in a lot of his films, you know, the, the themes of Catholic guilt um, and also um, questions and doubts of faith, like he explored in something like Silence. And then there's the, you know, historical epics, things like the Ten Commandments and Ben-Hur, so uh, I'm just really curious, Deanne, how do you feel about mostly like, you know, the religious genre within filmmaking? And has there been any movies um, that you've seen that have really quite had an impact on you or, you know, just what's been your experience mostly?
1: Yeah, I love this question. My I, my brain is full just thinking as you're kind of bringing this up. There's a few for me. I will say that I have a little bit of distaste, and this is more personal for kind of the horror face faith based types of movies those are usually not my thing like so devil like type like yeah devil type of stuff. well not as much exorcist but like really you know kind of devil themed and um using using it for kind of uh really graphic imagery is actually something that kind of is upsetting to me for whatever reason and maybe it has to do with my past and my upbringing but um that is not my thing but I I definitely um have some that fall in this the wheelhouse you're talking about where it kind of brings into question the idea of the structure and how people evaluate that. One that was really interesting in the last few years, I think it might have been a 15 film, was Calvary. Oh, yeah. With Gleason. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. So good. Chris O'Dowd, um, you know, in Ireland, a lot of beautiful imagery, but it's kind of this interesting story where you kind of know that something's going to happen and then you're watching it unfold through the, you know, kind of the eyes of this character that's a priest and Um, that, that was, um, I thought a really interesting film. Um, and then the musical uh, score too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that came to my mind is much older and I don't, it will be interesting to know if anyone has even seen this or if you remember it, but it was with Demi, um, wait, yeah, Demi Moore. And it was the seventh seal and it was this movie about the seven plagues, and she's, like, this pregnant woman, and she's fighting against time. It's, like, I, I bet you it's probably late 80s. I think if I were to go revisit it, <laughs> it probably wouldn't hold up. But I loved this movie when I was, like, a 12- to 15-year-old girl. I used to watch it all the time. And I was fascinated by the idea of, like, the plagues and, you know, the end of the world and all of that good stuff. So, Yeah,
3: I, I, I think it's called, actually, The Seventh Sign. The seventh, oh, thank seventh you. The Seal. Yeah, yeah Seventh See? Seal okay. is, like... A, Max von Sydow film, which is also (laughs) faith-based in a way. Uh, It's where he plays a game of chess against the devil.
1: Oh, Oh, okay. uh,
3: Which is awesome.
1: (laughs) Thank you for correcting me. I I was pulling that out of my head, so I appreciate it. Thank you.
3: It's funny. My exposure to uh, apocalyptic, you know, uh, revelation-based religious movies is like The End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, there's, so there's, quite, there's, there's been quite a few others uh, over the years. I mean, my, both my grandparents were born-again Christians, and mm-hmm. um, they would have a lot of, uh, f- you know, faith-based movies that dealt with the book of Revelation and the end of the world. And I remember it just being really traumatizing as a child seeing this yeah. stuff. Um, right. I remember kind of being scared to death of it to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was mostly, if I remember correctly, I think it was mostly left behind. I, I think it, I think that's what it was that I was exposed to the most. I, I can't really remember too much, but it's interesting because now, you know, because I had a Catholic upbringing, um, now stuff like Silence, uh, Novitiate last year, um, uh, Those films really have like a deep, profound impact upon me because I understand where uh, the mentality is coming from and what the what the internal struggle is. And I find it to be very, very compelling drama a lot of the time. Um, How do you have faith in something and, you know, commit yourself to something that you can't really uh, see or touch? You might be able to feel it, but it comes and goes, and it's really, really tough to maintain and hold within your life, and I find that to be uh, very fascinating, and I I think that's a really great theme to explore overall. Mm -hmm. There's something, though, about, like, the, um, God, the way that Hollywood is just trying to do, like, these epic remakes, like uh, Ridley Scott's Exodus or um, the Ben-Hur remake, which are just, they just come off as very uh, false to me, and... They, they do not capture the spirit of what made those original films uh, quite special.
1: Yeah, they kind of belong in their time, don't they?
3: Yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, exactly. That That's the best way to say it, because they're trying to update if it is time with the big budgets and the spectacle and make them almost like blockbusters. And it's just not working.
1: No. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I did catch up with Silence um, when I was, I was on my way to Italy and I watched it on an airplane and that movie is amazing, but it is also a little bit of a torturous watch when you're, and when you're stuck oh, yeah, on no, an airplane. Oh no, that's not
3: an easy watch at all. No. <laughs> no
1: way. But it was really good.
3: And, and then you have other things too. I mean, what am I thinking? Oh my God. What am I thinking of right now? Oh, I know. I'm thinking of the most, uh, the most controversial movie of all time. I'm I'm thinking of the P of the sea, the passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's oh. film. Yes. Um, You know, it's interesting because I remember seeing that movie when I was 13 years old in the movie theater, and I remember that movie um, having such a... Huge emotional impact on me, even at that young of an age. And I remember rewatching it a lot. Now it's not a film I like to necessarily rewatch, but when I was like going through uh, film school, I remember that was a film I used to want to revisit for um, slow motion to understand like how uh, slow motion was used uh, in editing. And then also mm-hmm. too, um, I thought the cinematography was uh, by Caleb Deschanel was quite beautiful. And it was it was a film that I I studied a lot also because I was uh, fascinated by the controversy at the time. And I kind of wanted to understand and know if the violence was something that people made more of a big deal about because it was something that was in their mind and it just was exaggerated more, or if it really was like truly the most violent film ever made. Um, And I've seen more violent than that movie. I mean, you know, stuff like Kill Bill Volume 1 immediately comes to mind, generally speaking. So I think that movie just was a combination of violence and also to... An emotional connection to a character that means so much—well, uh, uh, a character, a person right, right. that means so much to so many people, a figure mm-hmm. uh, that has a deep, profound uh, emotional connection to millions of people all over the world—and to just see that person go through such pain, uh, I think, was a very traumatizing film for some people, and it made them think that the violence was more than maybe what it really was. I don't know. Have you, ever, have you ever seen that one? Uh, the Patrick. I have.
1: First? Yeah, I've seen it a few times. And, you know, when I, I, I'm i with you. I think when I first saw it, so, you know, I'm somebody from, from a religious aspect. I grew up um, in a very faith-based home, but um, I'm, you know, no longer active in church in, of any kind. But there was this period of time where I was sort of wrestling with that, and this movie came out at, around that time. And I think the one thing for me that has um, struck for me in my life is that I I love and am surrounded by people who are very close to their faith. And I always have this level of wanting to respect them for that choice and not wanting to, you know, disregard that in any way. And so when I, I remember seeing the film and, and it, my first reaction was I struggled with it a little bit, like it felt like taking something and exploiting it a little bit, not on my behalf, but maybe on behalf of some of the people that I care about. But then as time has gone on and I've revisited it, I actually think it has a level of, um, if you're just looking at the filmmaking, um, I think it actually is a, a fairly well-done film. And if you can kind of separate yourself from it, um, that there is something there that is actually kind of unique and interesting, surprisingly. Um, and obviously much better than his most recent turn with uh, Hacksaw Ridge, if you were to ask me, in terms of quality of film. I actually like Hacksaw Ridge. You do? Okay. We'll see. Yeah. I, I don't love it. I,
3: I, I like it, though. Um, you know, that's one of those movies where... I, I don't know what it was about it. I, I guess maybe. I don't know. I got to rewatch it. I've only seen it once, but I remember my first uh, watch of it being really positive and thinking to myself, you know, oh, man, like Mel Gibson is back and he's done a really quality, you know, good, good looking film here. Andrew Garfield is pretty excellent. I don't know. I got me and I, I just keep hearing all this negative uh, reaction towards it. I, I think I need to revisit that one and see if my eight out of 10 score was uh, indeed. eight out of
1: 10. Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What about silence? What did you give silence? Oh, silence was a 10 out of 10 for me. 10 out of 10, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah,
3: well, it was the only film I gave a ten out of ten to that year. I, sure. I, I honestly believe that when Scorsese uh, passes, you know, whenever he does, I really believe Silence is going to be something that will be reevaluated and considered one of his masterpieces, along with like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, it definitely resonates for sure. I think about it a lot, so that's a good sign, right?
3: I, I also want to uh, just give a quick shout out to anyone that's celebrating Passover right now, too. Mm-hmm. And I just want to use that. As an opportunity to express how much I absolutely adore, love, and cherish The Prince of Egypt. Uh,
1: uh, (laughs) The animated one? Yes! Yes, Mariah Carey, that song. Oh my gosh, yes, I love that. I haven't seen that in so long, but I really do love that
3: movie. I'm with you. Holy God, do I love that animated film so much. Uh, I get asked all the time, uh, because I believe that was 1998, which is like an incredible year for... um, animation and i always sometimes wonder you know because this was before the oscars had uh the best animated feature uh film category you know so that year you have ants a bug's life mulan prince of egypt um what else came out that year was that the same year as the iron giant no it wasn't i think that was the next year 1999 but you know i often wonder like would prince of egypt had won uh the oscar and i think the answer probably would have been yes simply because um it won the Oscar for, um, I think it won the Oscar for Best Original Song that year.
1: Yeah, that song was really. Good. Oh, it was Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, right? And then this was mm-hmm. DreamWorks Studios, yeah. is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
3: it was good. Gosh. Yeah, right. It, uh, yeah, it won Best Original Song at the 1999 Academy Awards. You're right, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. That that film is just very, very powerful, and might be my favorite uh, telling of the story of the Ten Commandments. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. That might be a good one to watch this afternoon.
3: Yeah, it's really short. I think I want to go and just watch it right (laughs) now.
1: (laughs) Hello,
2: everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review... The latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also... Give top three lists. Okay, yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us... Talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one... Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film Podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's are not you... how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? okay? That's what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy it that. That's just how it works.
3: Deanne,
1: mm-hmm. being
3: that today is April 1st,
1: hmm.
3: the first quarter of 2018 is officially over.
1: That's unbelievable, isn't it?
3: Three months gone, just like that. How crazy is that? It's crazy. Time just moves by really, really fast. And since we're at that point, I want to actually take a moment to go over today, if we were giving out the best of 2018 awards.
1: <laughs> It'd be I a light <laughs> year. Wowzer! <laughs> <laughs>
3: So if we were giving out the best of 2018 awards today, all right, I want to go through this with you um, okay. piece by piece, okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. And let's, uh, you know, tackle this as best as we can. I will admit, first and foremost, that I have not seen a single documentary this year yet.
1: I have not either. So yeah,
3: I apologize to anyone uh, that's hoping for me to give a documentary winner, but I, I, I just don't have one, unfortunately.
1: I agree. So we'll just we'll cut that one out. I usually yeah. catch up with those later in the year when I'm kind of doing my, you know, scramble to the Oscar season.
3: And I will say this because, Deanne, you and I were at Sundance this year. Feel mm-hmm. free to answer with a Sundance film if you want. For I
1: know. Year, I there, there's going to be a few in there for sure.
3: Fair enough. Uh, animated feature. What is the best animated film you've seen so far this year?
1: I mean, have I even seen one? Did you see
3: Isle of Dogs yet?
1: No. Oh. It's not here yet. Oh, wait, it's not. it's not there in Utah yet? Well, it might have been, like, officially last night, I think, was the first night. Sorry. Oh, okay. We, we just got it this weekend, I should say. Sorry. Right. Um, well, that's
3: fine. I mean, to be honest with you, it's really the only one I've seen that's of worth.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I'm i going to have to pass on this one. I'm sorry. I'm letting you down. That's fine. That's fair. Uh,
3: what about scores? been anything this year with a musical score that you found really interesting?
1: Um, okay. So I enjoyed... Um, I thought the music in Black Panther was really good. I actually yeah. really liked the Annihilation score, though. I would say kind of first and yeah. foremost. And I'm unfortunately, I think Annihilation's gonna show up in a lot of these choices. Um, but yeah, especially the way in that movie. Not only the way they edited in some, you know, already existing music that I thought was really effective with that Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young song that they used, but also just the build of that score and sort of the lack. And then the, the that scene when the flower opens and the score builds is so br- is so beautiful. So Agreed. I think I'm going to have to go with Annihilation.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um- I thought about picking Annihilation for my favorite score, but then I remembered there was a score from uh, a film I saw at Sundance that I liked a bit more, and that was the score to Search, starring Mm -hmm. John Cho, um, Hmm. which in many ways actually has an opening that's very reminiscent of the movie Up, where Mm -hmm. the score is featured so, so prominently, and I think that's why it stands out to me very much so. Hmm. Um, It's a film that I'm starting to wonder if... When it gets released this year, if it could possibly contend in that category along with film editing, because um, the whole movie takes place like over computer screens. So if you think of it like the, the screen that you see in the cinema is basically the computer screen itself. And, you know, the way that you basically see John Cho's face is that he's, like, FaceTiming people or uh, the cursor is, like, moving over uh, something and then he's typing and that's how he's communicating. And Mm. the whole movie is just told through this computer screen. It's it's a really, really, really unique concept. But the score is, um, as a result, featured very, very prominently to help the momentum uh, and the pace of it all. Mm. So I really, really, really uh, look forward to seeing what people make of that one. As far as Annihilation goes... Annihilation might be, um, I think it's like my second favorite, maybe my third favorite film of the year I've seen so far. Um, And I gave it a lot of uh, wins in a lot of categories, actually. Um, Like Sound Mixing, Mm -hmm. I I would probably give to Annihilation, Production Design, Cinematography, Mm -hmm. Adapted Screenplay, and Best Director are all awards I would give to Annihilation um, if I were handing out stuff right now i loved annihilation i've seen it now uh two, twice and i'm glad mm-hmm. that i did because it held up so much so on a second viewing because i thought i had the movie very well figured out but after seeing it with a bunch of people and then talking about it afterwards at a new york screening that was hosted by mad zoller sites um I got a lot of different interpretations from it that really opened up my eyes to just how dense and brilliant that screenplay really is. Um, I, that, I'll be surprised if Annihilation doesn't find a way into my top 10 at the end of the year.
1: Mm-hmm. Me too. It's tracking in my number one right now.
3: Yeah. Uh, have you seen Ready Player One yet?
1: Oh, no. That's, I'm going to see that in just about an hour now. An hour. and oh, a Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha,
3: gotcha. I, f- I forgot you said that before. Yeah, yeah that would that would just get probably sa- sound editing, visual effects from me. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are asking if the visual effects for Ready Player One is something that's gonna last till the end of the year, and I'm starting to think that the um, the movie by uh Robert Rodriguez, what's it called, Battle Angel, Attila, Battle Angel, I think it's mm-hmm. called there's like one teaser trailer that's available for it right now that people can check out, um, online. Yeah. But I think it's called battle angel Attila. And it's a Magna series that, uh, Robert Rodriguez is directing and that those visual effects look a lot more impressive to me than what I saw in ready player one. Plus I also just feel that there's a divisive quality to ready player one. That's going to hurt it as the year goes on and we get closer to the Oscar season. I'm really curious to see where you land on that one, Deanne, because you know I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but there are those who will really, really love it. So I'm yeah. very curious.
1: To know. I will tweet. I will go to the Twitter. I will take to the Twitter and let you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> nice. You, you mentioned Black Panther before. I mean, yes.
1: That's on a lot of people's lists.
3: Yeah. Th- yeah, that film's winning costume design. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. I, that film needs to get a costume design nomination at the end of the year. <laughs>
1: I agree Um, absolutely the only other thing that even comes close I mean it for me is like thinking of some of the stuff at Sundance there was one film I haven't talked about on here yet which is Colette um, with um, Keira Knightley and I will say that there is some beautiful costume work in that and it's the same person who did um, The Duchess with Keira Knightley as well and I think he did get an Oscar nomination for that so he's been he's in that circle I guess I should say Um, and, and it is it's a very it's an interesting interesting movie because it's kind of a heavy theme and it's it's obviously a period piece but there is a really kind of nice lightness to it and a brightness to it and the costumes really help blend to that so look depending on how the field looks this year i think it's a long shot but that would be the only other one that kind of would come to my mind on costume that's fair yeah uh
3: what would you give original screenplay to
1: original screenplay oh <sighs> Gosh. I'm gonna throw
3: another curveball at you. What would you give adapted screenplay to adapted as well? Adapted
1: too. Okay, so I think for adapted I would go with Annihilation.
3: Yep, I did too.
1: And for original, I mean <laughs> it's a light field. Um, I get you, you better just go and then I I mean I would maybe is I believe you were never really here original.
3: No, that would be adapted.
1: It's adapted? Okay. Gosh, I don't even know, Matt. I'm sorry. I'm letting you down.
3: It's okay. What about Unseen?
1: Unse- Ugh, no.
3: No? Ugh. Okay, that's fair.
1: <laughs> is that your choice?
3: No, no, not at all. My, my my choice for original screenplay would be Assassination Nation. Oh, okay. Right. But you, you know how much I love that film, though.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, You know, the, I guess the only other thing that I can think of is maybe blind spotting. Oh, okay. Um, I... Uh, which I mean, in terms of just sort of being intrigued by it, because the two guys who wrote who wrote it together, obviously you have David Diggs from Hamilton fame, but um, and he wrote it with his friend, and it's very much about this world they come from, you know, in Oakland, and kind of a, a taking a take on that. It almost has this Goodwill Hunting feel, you know, feeling a little bit like these two guys kind of write about what they know, um, mm-hmm. and so I don't know. There's some there's just some intrigue for me there, but I mean, again, that would. That this year would have to be really, really weak for that to make its way into any top lists.
3: No, oh, yeah, that's fair. I, I understand that completely. Yeah, I mean, and then getting over to acting categories, um, you know, I would probably do Olivia Cook for Thoroughbreds, supporting actress, supporting actor Evan Peters in American Animals. I cannot mm-hmm. wait for people to see that one. Yes. I mean, is insane.
1: So good. Um, <laughs>
3: Best actress, I'm banging the drum once again. Everybody hear me loud and clear. Tony Collett in Hereditary.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: I'm telling you all, that is going to be big. And then for best actor, I really, really hope this film picks up a distributor uh, because I really do think that he could go all the way this year. Maybe not to a win, but to at least to a nomination. Garrett Hedlund in Burden is oh, yeah. remarkable. So I would love to see that happen.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree. I you know that I'm a fan of you Were never really here. I really like Joaquin's performance in that, so that would be at the top of the list for me for sure. Um,
3: yeah, no, he's pretty he's pretty amazing and it. it I just feel like that film is unfortunately, it's a lot more um it's a lot more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. I wasn't as big of a fan of it as you are, and I do right. feel that that movie is just gonna come and go and not have strong word of mouth. I feel like.
1: You think it's just because it's too violent?
3: No, just because it's just, you know, it moves too slow and it just just doesn't have um, an exciting quality to it that's going to drive audiences to want to go to their friends and be like, you have to see this movie. You're
1: right. And and that's fair. It's not like a necessarily incredibly unique story or anything that it's just it's just an interesting watch, I think. But so that's fair.
3: I I think it's a great character study of one man who has experienced a lot of trauma in his life Mm -hmm. and, you know what is the breaking point for the human spirit in terms of trauma, you know? Yeah. So I I thought that was very interesting to explore. But, I mean, I I don't know. I I, I wasn't as high on it as many other people are. And then there's um, Natalie Portman in Annihilation, of course. Yeah. She's great. What do you think about like what? What do you think right now about the idea of Black Panther getting a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars a year from now?
1: I don't know. It's so hard, right? You just go back to last year and you know how everyone was feeling about Wonder Woman and once again the disappointment. And so you know, but at the same time, um, I I kind of do feel like it could happen again. But then I then I'm like, am I just the sucker who's jumping on this bandwagon again? And I'm going to be just sorely disappointed. But um, so I, I would give it, you know, right now, maybe a 50 not even well, maybe a 50 50 chance of happening. But I do think it has a, its position strongly and um, that there is enough to the development in the story and enough depth to it that it could happen. I think as far as storytelling and depth, it has more to offer than Wonder Woman.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so as well. And I, I really, really hope that they're able to push it very hard um, later on in the year. And it isn't something that isn't completely forgotten about. I mean, at the end of the day, like I was saying before, it needs that costume design nomination. I, I highly doubt I will see more impressive costumes this year in any film whatsoever. So that is my biggest hope, most yeah. of all. Like, at a minimum, please at least make that happen. Um, But going all the way to Best Picture, it's something I want to see happen because I just want to finally just see this uh, barrier get broken for Marvel and for superhero films in general, just so that we can just stop um, complaining about it, to be honest. I just want something to get in there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then you have Rachel Morrison with the cinematography, which it will be interesting, you know, just on the heels of Mudbound this year, if, um, if that can carry over
3: they're going to need a hell of a big push they're, yeah. they're going to need a really really big push but you know what You know this time last year uh, a lot of people were talking about the potential for Get Out at the Oscars and I was one of those people that was like oh there's no way they're not going to go for a horror comedy no way you know mm-hmm. and I was wrong so hopefully we'll see if I'll be wrong again this year because that would be freaking awesome just like it was awesome for Get Out Oscar winning Get Out nonetheless
1: yep that's right
3: Okay, we have some fan questions now, Deanne. Okay. And then we'll review the uh, trailer for First Reformed, and we'll call it a day.
1: All right. Sounds good.
3: Okay, so this question here, this one comes from Daniel Shakes. Uh, he says, hello, everyone. Been a listener for over a year. I'm a proud Patreon supporter. I'm writing with a question for you all. Two movies I missed before the end of award season were Darkest Hour and Downsizing. I happened to watch both today as I was homesick and supplied uh, (laughs) these two films from my family out of Redbox. Darkest Hour was a solid film. Despite being a little funnier than I expected, there was no surprise in how deserving Gary Ullman was for his award. However, while Downsizing was a little all over the place in terms of its storytelling, I was absolutely blown away by Hong Chao's performance. I really (laughs) believe she was deserving of at least a nomination for her performance, My question is this. What supporting performances have gone mostly unrecognized that you believe in hindsight should have deserved a nomination and possibly an Oscar? Hong Chao has my vote. I'm interested in what all of you have to say.
1: Okay, you better go first, Matt.
3: Okay. Um, I, 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 oh, I you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm going to think back, not to this year, but I'll go back to the year before. Two supporting performances that I wish had gotten nominations were Tangle Radcliffe and Swiss Army Man, mm-hmm. and uh, Ray Fiennes in a bigger splash. Oh, wow. Because it still angers me so much that Ray Fiennes does not have an Oscar to this day. Uh, I'm not saying I would have given him the win, but a nomination would have been something. Oh, and a lot of people also from that same year were advocating really hard for John Goodman in Ten Cloverfield Lane. It didn't happen, but that's another person who deserves a nomination at some point in his career. So I'll, I'll go with those three.
1: Those are all very great. Um, and now you're going to test my brain, so... <laughs> I mean... Can we also take a moment to also
3: acknowledge that Andy Serkis does not have a single nomination for Rise for the Planet of the Apes, Dawn, or War for the Planet of the Apes, or as Gollum in The Two Towers? I mean, come on, what the hell, people?
1: (laughs) That's fair. It's not right. Um, I will. I do have to comment a little bit on uh, the downsizing conversation, though, because I I was pretty outwardly surprised that Hung Chao was in the conversation at all, and it's not really anything to do with her performance, but just the fact that the film was such a disaster. And I just couldn't imagine that vehicle d- delivering someone to the supporting category, who was kind of so as unknown as she was. And so I just never really had a lot of confidence that that would happen. But I definitely do agree that she was charming in the film. And, um, and I can and I can definitely see the appeal.
3: Yeah, no, I I, I I get it as well. I wasn't the biggest fan of the movie, but I think she was the best part about it in the end. So if that's enough to warrant uh, having her in the conversation, that's fair, I suppose. Um, another question from Kevin Kevin Brackett, Kevin R. Brackett on Twitter. Um, will an early contender in a year like Isle of Dogs be a contender for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars, or will the award just go to a Disney Pixar movie? I hate to say this, but I, I, I don't think this is Wes Anderson's year. I think he had a better chance with Fantastic Mr. Fox, even though against Up, um, there was nothing that was going to beat Up. But I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is going to be the comparison with Isle of Dogs all throughout the year, and I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is just a more positively received film overall. It seems like critics are definitely going, you know, pretty hard for Isle of Dogs, but I I just don't see audiences going nuts for that, especially this early in the year, enough to push it to a win. You know, almost a year from now, I, I just can't see that happening.
1: Right. And we have a couple of sequels. And, you know, I I guess it's been a mixed bag with that. Obviously, there have been plenty of animated sequels that have done really well. But we've Wreck-It Ralph and Incredibles 2. And Incredibles 2 could be brilliant, you know, and really, like, take that story and elevate it and and do well there. If Paddington 2 could contend in this um, arena, oh, my gosh, that would be my pick for sure. (laughs) But I know it can't and it won't.
3: Yeah, I hear that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, sticking with uh, a conversation that we had last week on the show, is Steven Spielberg right in that movies that release on Netflix should not be eligible for the Oscars and rather compete for the Emmys? This is from Listman1982 on Twitter. Deanne, what's your stance on that uh, on that particular topic?
1: Yeah, I definitely have a hard time with that. And maybe that's just because of, you know, my connection to um, the Sundance Film Festival and all of the stuff that has come out of there that would not have even had an audience if it hadn't had the streaming opportunity. And so I just feel um, that because of the kind of turn of the tides and the way that distribution is happening and looking to go, that that feels like an outdated thought that we're already kind of too far down the road with this, that we need to see it evolve, and, and we need to find a way to make movies that stream get the right level of attention for award season as part of the Oscar race. That's my take.
3: Well, the French don't agree with you, because uh, this week uh, can officially banned Netflix from all future festivals. Right. I... <laughs> You know, it's interesting to me that the, that this is happening now, especially after last year where something like Okja had its premiere at Cannes and, you know, yeah. got a good response out of there. And I'm just like, I don't know. There was a lot of discussion last year and there definitely was a lot of controversy and a lot of backlash. But you're right, theo when you say I think that we're too far down the road now for people to be making those kinds of stances. They just need to let happen what's going to happen.
1: Right. Yeah, I feel like that's a little bit of an elitist response. And then I feel like too, it could do a little bit of damage because the most important thing that could happen right now is for things to be as as accessible as possible to everyone. And, um, and and I feel like part of the problem, and I've shared this before, with why people don't even watch um, the Academy Awards is that it's a lot of those films aren't very readily accessible to people until right before the awards. And it takes kind of a special person to want to kind of scramble and, and make the time to see all of those in such a short period of time. So I just think accessibility in general has to be a part of the equation moving forward to keep this alive and thriving and something that the general public is interested in.
3: Sure. I definitely agree with you there. Um, this is from Ryan C. Showers on Twitter. Hi, Ryan.
1: Hi, Ryan. Aww.
3: He asks should... us, who do we miss more, him or Michael Schwartz?
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I really missed them both today. I like I've been on the spot with the questions, and I wasn't very prepared. And the two of them would have just taken those questions and run with it, because they have this like serious, like crazy uh, knowledge base. But um, I... I'm not answering that. I miss them both. That's all.
3: Um, I miss Michael. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. I miss Mike. I miss Ryan. I don't miss Michael. I don't miss both of them. No, I do miss both of them.
1: Oh, I just oh, those miss guys should Michael. Just come back. Michael has that crazy depth of knowledge and the things that he kind of can bring just off the top of his head, I think was really great.
3: I'm not going to badmouth Michael on the podcast. I have like <laughs> kind of like an unofficial pact with myself to not do that. No, we're not doing that. This question over here comes from uh, one of our own, Jess Pena, at at the underscore Cinema Bliss. Uh, It's always a tongue twister for me. Deanne, I'm going to put you on the spot again with another question. Are you ready?
1: God, is it going to be? Okay, yes, let's try.
3: What has been your favorite movie moment so far this year?
1: Okay, so I think that I'm going to have to go with the ending of Black Panther. I... I was I just that movie uh, that whole experience was really positive for me. But in particular, I was really drawn to um, the, the Michael B. Jordan character and the way that that kind of resolves itself um, in in turn in their kind of hand to hand combat scene and then some of the dialogue that takes place there. Um, I found just really, really um, effective. And then the other one I would say is one that Jess and I have actually um, kind of texted back and forth about. It was in this ridiculous movie called Mom and Dad. And Nick Cage has this scene where he's destroying a pool table um, to the s- and singing the Hokey Pokey as he does it. And it's so ridiculous, but it is also kind of unforgettable. So <laughs> those would be my two.
3: I have to go with the final 15 15- minute acid trip that is Annihilation.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great.
3: You're right. Um, I You know, anything that can make me feel like on drugs without actually being on drugs, that's a very memorable cinematic moment as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was insane.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say the other thing that, out um, of Sundance for me, there was a film that had my very favorite opening and closing shots, and it was, a, and it might surprise you, it's a movie called called Puzzle. Um, and it's about basically the the, um, the world of competitive puzzling. But it's really about this woman who just kind of is, is discovering herself. But um, it by far has one of the most interesting openings, where you think... Uh, it's you'll you, everyone will know it at the beginning. So I'm not spoiling anything, but basically it's she's hustling all around to p- put this birthday party together. And then you find out very quickly that it's her own birthday party. And it just tells you so much about the character. That whole opening scene is really brilliant. And I can't wait for people to see that movie. It's quiet, but it's really good.
3: That's awesome. Last question. This one is from Steven M. Keller. And the question he has is, do you have a favorite movie that you like to watch on Easter?
1: Yeah, so um, the one that has kind of become the standby at my house is the movie Up. And I know it doesn't necessarily have a correlation to Easter, but it's just such a... I, there's just something so beautiful about that movie and the idea of making sure that you're you know, conscious of time passing by and being aware of the things that you want to do and what that means to do those things together. And so holidays kind of bring that out for me. And so that's what we typically will throw in on Easter.
3: I'm going to be very boring and lame and say no. I don't have a favorite film I like to watch on Easter.
1: <laughs> well, Prince of um, Egypt, you're going to throw that in later.
3: Oh wow, I guess that's true. Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll stick You're with that. You're gonna start a new tradition. I'll stick with that. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 you know, it's funny too, because I have um, younger people that are also here in our family as well. Like our, our cousin my cousin just had a baby and um, Prince of Egypt is the kind of thing that you could just put on for the little ones and you know, it no one's gonna get upset or anything like that. So yeah, you know what, that's a good choice. Prince of Egypt. Love it. <laughs> Here's a film that I will not be putting on for the family necessarily Um, on next year's Easter. A24 released a trailer for Uh, First Reformed, which I had the chance to see at the New York Film Festival starring Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried. Um, It is written and directed by Paul Schrader. And well, let's just watch the trailer first and let's give our thoughts on it.
0: I've decided to keep a journal to set down all my thoughts and the simple events of my day. I will keep this diary for one year. And at the end of that time, it will be destroyed. I encouraged my son to enlist. It was a family tradition. Six months later, he was dead in Iraq. I was lost. My sense, the reading of the Lord. Praise be God. So, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. No, really. It's been a while since we've talked. Even a pastor needs a pastor.
1: Did you see the doctor? You need someone to take care of you. I want you to be happy.
0: I know that nothing can change, and I know there is no hope. Reverend Toller? Yes, Mary. You must come over. You must come over now. Explosives. She
2: was becoming someone I didn't know.
0: Opportunistic diseases, anarchy, martial law. You will live to see this. you had no idea that he was thinking of.
2: No. I'm so frightened.
0: Kids, that want certainty. You know, don't think, follow. They fall prey to extremism. It's
1: a world without hope.
0: No, I have not lost my faith.
1: You think that what we did together was a sin? I've seen
0: enough real sin to know the difference. You
1: didn't tell the police,
0: right? Take a look at your own life before you criticize others. <laughs> These are frightening times. We have to be patient. Well, somebody has to do something. Are you wise? Are you one? shake as I write these lines. Are
2: you washed in the blood of the land? Can God forgive us for what we've done to this world?
3: Who can know the mind of God? So, Deanne, Whew. you haven't seen this film yet. No,
1: what no you but you I am think? stressed out from that trailer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, what do, you, what do you make of it so far? You know, like, because I'm going to tell you this right now. I, I the the trailer is not letting on to some things about the plot, and that's got me really, really, really happy and really excited because this movie gets dark. Let yeah. me tell you.
1: <laughs> well, I remember you saying that when, like, I remember talking to you after you saw it. And so when I watched the trailer, you're right. I kind of assumed that there's a whole another layer that the trailer isn't exposing, and I'm intrigued to know what that is. But again, I'm also anxious and scared. <laughs>
3: I will say this too. It's going to definitely bring up probably um a lot of conversation about climate change uh much in the same way that Mother did in terms of how it tied um faith-based uh, uh faith-based opinions about climate climate change.
1: You know what oh, I mean? Oh, that's interesting. That like that would not be a theme that I would have thought after seeing this trailer by at all.
3: Yeah, it's um Yeah. It, the, the, there are comparisons to Taxi Driver hmm. in this uh, that they've used like within the trailer, like in the quotes uh, from other critics, and I can definitely say that they are very on point. Um, I'm very, very, very curious because this is being released a little bit later in the year than I anticipated. I thought it was going to be released around this time of the year. They're doing a early summer release, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's not the fall uh, when typical Oscar contenders do come out, but I am starting to wonder if critics um, will go to bat for Ethan Hawke and propel him uh, into the awards conversation later on in the year. I could definitely see it happening, I'll, I'll tell you that much, because he is quite extraordinary in this role.
1: Yeah, and he's kind of been, po- you know, posing himself for that over the last few years. It could it could be one of those things where people feel like it's time, and then this one just kind of makes it in for that reason. Um, and obviously, he looks like he's doing some, you know, really dramatic work, and it sounds like that there's a lot to for him to tackle with this. So
3: No, yeah, there's a lot of very interesting aspects about the film um, for some people that watched the trailer, you know, I remember somebody like made a comparison to a ghost story and I remember thinking what are, are they just doing that because of the 4 by 3 aspect ratio? Like, wh- like wh- what like mm-hmm. what does that comparison mean? And it's like no 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 on a spiritual, you know, metaphysical mm. <laughs> existential level
1: <laughs> yeah. there
3: are comparisons to a ghost story with this movie that I can totally understand where uh, that person was coming from uh, when I spoke to them um, or when I spoke to them earlier so there, there's a lot to be said about this movie I don't want to reveal anything but uh, Deanne would you say that you're excited
1: I am I'm definitely intrigued um, I need to see what's ha- what, what it's about I need to see the the themes and um, I, I'm looking forward to it but like I said I'm a little scared looks heavy
3: It is, and I don't blame you.
1: Yeah, could bring up some feelings.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, anything else you want to bring up before we go?
1: I don't think so. Happy Easter.
3: Happy Easter, and happy April Fool's Day. Um, Sorry I couldn't make a good joke in the beginning of this podcast about (laughs) it. But with that said, Deanne, where can I find you on the internet?
1: Um, You can find me on Twitter at TweedledeeD33.
3: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode... 83? 84? What are we up to now?
1: 84, I think you said.
3: 84. 84 (laughs) of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is ever acceptable, but if it is going to happen, definitely leave us some comments. Let us know how we can improve the show. We really, really appreciate all of your support. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time.
0: something that's not boring
1: a laundry Ooh, a book club computer solitaire huh
0: ah <sighs> oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary forward it by law 18 plus Terms and conditions apply see website for details